Hey, Drew. Good morning, Jim. It is the Living Love Life podcast for March. What do we got today? 25th. 2022. So, how are you doing? Well, you just reminded me that something incredible is happening tomorrow, (laughs) the 26th. At 5 p.m. Central. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Tell us more. (laughs) We are going to be releasing uh, the first uh, single in a long time of uh, Drew Jared's song called Surrender. It's been a long time coming. But uh, I feel like God has given me the opportunity, and we've stepped into it, and so here we go, and we are starting something here, or moving forward with something that we've started a long time ago, and we'll see where God wants to take it, whether he does whatever he wants to it, and it promotes me, or whether or not, um, you know, it reaches anybody, that's all up to him, I'm just going to keep making music and keep trying to get his message out to people as long as I can. But I'm excited. I got uh, four likes on my YouTube page, which is three likes more than I thought I'd get. <laughs> That's great. That's awesome. Well, the song is fantastic. And we are actually going to be using the song on Sunday for our offertory because the song is called Surrender. And it just goes really well with the theme that we're running in worship, No Longer I, based on Galatians 2.20. I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loves me and gave his life up for me. So I was going to call and ask you this not in our podcast but i think it's better if i ask you it right now can you tell me a little bit of the story behind surrender i was trying to remember and look up what songs i wrote before and after this one because that kind of gives me a clue of um what my mind was what my mind was thinking of and I wrote it in 1997 which was about the time I think let's see if I can find it here um, that I met my I toward the end of 1997 I met my wife and um, I'm just looking through my songs here to find out exactly when we did it here, but because uh, that would kind of tell me what was going on with my mind. Like I said, it's been a long time coming. That was a quote from my journal. There was a song I wrote right before it. Let's see, I wrote Surrender in August of 1997, and that's a couple of months before I moved to Brownsdale. And uh, I think I moved to Brown... I, I came to Brownsdale to Our Savior Lutheran Church, to your church, for the Harvest Festival that you guys were having as a kind of a... Or maybe I came... 
I came there early to surprise you on a summer day, and then you invited me back to play at your harvest festival in the in the fall. Yeah. And then, um, you know, when I when I visited you, I went to the church services, and I I just felt the spirit of God moving me, saying, "You got to come here. You got to be a member of this church, and you got to, you know, this is where your spirit's going to get fed." So I kind of dropped everything. I started looking for a place to stay, and by December I had moved. But that August, before then, I had written Surrender. There was a song that I had uh, written before that in March. So I only kind of write songs when I'm inspired. I guess there was another song I wrote in June before that. And then I guess another one in May. So I guess it's every couple of months back then. After I had met my wife, which only happened, what was it, six days after I moved to Brownsdale, <laughs> after following the call to God, uh, I met my future wife. But I had written some songs before that. This, the song that I wrote after I moved, let's see, which one was that one? Um, I wrote on two weeks after I wrote Surrender, and it was a... A retelling of Psalm 139, where God is, you have searched me and you know me, you know, when I sit and when I rise. That whole psalm I basically put to music. So, surrender, I think, as I'm talking aloud about it now, must be this culmination of my whole life up until the point where I, I felt the call of God to come to Brownsdale to be involved in his church and to get my spirit fed because he had something that he wanted to tell me. And I had to uproot my whole life, change where I lived, move all my belongings, strike out on my own. This was one of the first times that I really kind of moved out on my own. Had my first apartment. So it was, it was awesome that, you know... Uh, I knew somebody in the town, you and your family, uh, because it was definitely a, a culture shock moment. So I wonder if that had something to do with it, knowing that I'd, I'd probably already gone to your church and knew that I had to move there. And in August, you know, I'm, I'm researching, how am I supposed to do this, God? Am I really supposed to leave the only life I've ever known and move 100 miles and go to a new church and live on my own? And what do you want me to do? And, you know, should I just have faith and and surrender. And I think that's where this song came from. Wow. Because you, how old were you then, Drew? Okay, that's a good question. 97 would have been about 21, 22, I suppose. Yeah. I think. And the, and the song is, is, you know, in terms of faith, it's a mature song. It's a mature song. And, you know, you, you talk about the different things we surrender. But I also know, because by God's grace, we've been on this journey together since before then. Because I met you on Vicarage. So here in that time, we're 
three years after that ish yep. i don't know exactly when we i think it was probably 93 ish or yep. something 93 90 probably the spring of 94 when we met and we've been on this journey and in that journey i have just seen well i could speak from my life too but as a brother I can see how there's been these little pieces along the way that you have surrendered. Well, I've surrendered too. We've talked about wounds, hurts in our life that we surrender. And that's a process, like a long process, sometimes lifelong, depending on how deep the hurt surrendered control of people <laughs> we've surrendered you know other people around us we don't like what they're doing and you know in some ways you you walk in grace and truth you you love them and forgive them and try and speak the truth in love but we surrender trying to change them we surrender our kind of our in a sense our rights you know, as husbands, as we marry, knowing the great call of God to love our wives as Christ loved the church and laid his life down for her. We surrender our frustrations with vocation, remembering that God's in charge. We, I don't know, it's just like, this song is life of walking with Jesus. That's what I think. I I think of, and I often bring this up in our conversations because it's my life, the passage in Luke 9 where Jesus says, if a man would come after me, he must deny himself daily and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever loves is his life will, will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. And that daily taking up cross, dying to self, surrender, I have found is where life really begins. And so it's it's powerful to me. That song is powerful to me. It's a it's about my journey with my Savior. It's not a one time thing. This is a a lifelong kind of journey thing. That's what I think. Yeah, I would agree with you there. Yeah. Well, I'm excited. That's tomorrow at five. I, I saw that people can chat with you. What's the like how would they get to your Facebook page, Drew? It's gonna be premiering on YouTube and so there's a chat on on YouTube when you go to the page, um because it's a premiere, it just has a chat uh field right next to the movie that's playing i think the movie will start like two minutes before five or something like that um okay. there'll be a countdown and so i don't know how long i'll be able to chat before the movie i think i think you can chat right now uh, i think the chat is open i've already put something in there <laughs> how do we get to your youtube page okay so it's just youtube.com backslash drew jared okay and Jared has two R's. Yep. D-R-E-W-J-A-R-R-O-D. All right.
And um, it'll be under, uh, I've listed it right on the homepage as the opening commercial or whatever they have on the thing. So you can just click on that and it'll take you right to the video. Can they get to that through our Living Loved Life website too? Yeah, they can. I've actually put, let's see, where did I put it? I put it on the resources page, but I could put it on the, the home page just to make it super easy to find. I put it on the, yeah. I actually put it on the home page of the Vine Church oh, as okay. well. So you can go to livingloved.life yep. or you can go to on the Vine com. Yep. So two places you can pick it up. That's easy. Or YouTube. That's great. So here's, here's, I think this one's exciting. So I've heard some of this stuff. You've been doing a project with your family and that's that. I don't think people have heard that stuff. Have they drew or can they hear that too? Or is there a timeline for us? Kind of getting a, being able to experience that. Are you talking about the Chosen Songs EP and the Aaron Trilogy EP? Yes, exactly. Yes. We are in production for the Chosen Songs, which Surrender is one of the four songs on the Chosen Songs EP. What we did there is each one of my sons picked one of their favorite songs of mine to have recorded. And so we didn't know if this would be a one-time thing for this opportunity to come up. So we kind of picked all of our favorite songs that we wanted to do in case we never had an opportunity to do this again. And they picked their favorite songs. So there are four songs on the Chosen Songs EP. We called it that because these are all our Chosen Songs. And one of them is called uh, More. And that was a song, I think, chosen by my oldest son, Gabriel. Another song on there is called Without You. Very powerful song, which I have also available right now on the webpage. You can actually purchase the Surrender song and the Without You song on the webpage. Now, they're not final, final mastered songs but they're they're in the final mix so they're kind of like a pre-release song and that one was for my second son Orion very powerful song it was a song actually that my wife pretty much wrote I asked her what would it be like if from your perspective if a spouse had suddenly wasn't there anymore and this, then the remaining spouse had to live life without their spouse and raise children and have a home. And what would that be like? Very powerful song. And then my youngest son, Luke, liked the song Born Blind, which was the very first song we ever did in the recording studio. And uh, that's also going to be on there. And uh, you can get that one, too, because that one is, is also in the pre-mastering phase and they're all on the website and you guys can preview those too but those are all those four are going to be all on a album and they're all coming we have to re-record some final vocals for the more song but after that happens and we produce that song then all four of those are going to be done so i'm hoping 
that the Chosen album EP will come out around Christmas. But the really cool thing is we're doing a second EP. And um, as you might have noticed that, oh, oh, and then Surrender was the fourth song on there. And that was the song that I picked. So those were all the Chosen songs by all the boys. And you might think, well, geez, what about your wife? Doesn't she get to pick? Well, she gets her own EP. She she actually gets seven songs dedicated to her on a EP. There were three songs that I had written for her about her when we were dating. And um, I wanted, kind of like the Lord of the Rings, you know, how they didn't, they recorded all of the Lord of the Rings movies at one time because they wanted to get the actors all the same age and they wanted to get the feel and the look of this, you know, the same settings and everything. And so they didn't release them all at the same time, but they recorded all three movies all at once, which I thought was very smart. And there was a, there was a similar kind of thing that I wanted to do with this music is, like I said, this opportunity came up and I wanted to make sure that out of all the songs that I had, these were the songs that I, I wanted to get recorded first. So I wrote a, a love song from my wife that um, at the end of the song, the last line of the song is, Will You Marry Me? And it's actually the song that I, I sang to her when I proposed to her. And then the second song in that trilogy of songs, and I know there's seven songs on the on the record, but it's a trilogy and they all kind of go together. The second one is a song about the seriousness of the relationship. You know, the first song is about hope and promise and, and the second song is more about resolution and, um, you know, okay, we're going to be serious about this marriage thing and what does marriage really mean? And am I ready to take this step? And am I going to vow to you? And then the third song is kind of like the final, uh, the finality of it where we've made the commitment and now we're here to stay and what does that mean and the depth of the commitment rather than maybe the emotion of it all, which was kind of encompassed by the first song. And then these three songs are intended to run together. They're intended to be listened to as one giant like 15 minute song. But, you know, that's not enough for me. So <laughs> I wanted to have uh, preludes for these songs, like instrumental preludes to kind of get you in the mood for the song. And I had asked my oldest son, Gabriel, to compose these for me because he was into music and he was taking some classes and I wanted to, him to get involved and he's really good. And he came up with some introductions to these songs that are absolutely phenomenal and and you're, it's going to blow your mind when you hear them i every time i hear them i cry they're so amazing but these preludes are going to come right before the songs and it's going to tell you a story so basically this whole record is going to be probably like a half an hour long song Kind of, more or less. There'll be different songs, but it's all designed to flow one into the other. And that is going to be like, if I never go into the recording studio again, and this is a one-time deal, this thing is going to be my signature, my little, you know, my imprint on the world saying I was here because this is going to be an amazing thing. So she gets 
seven songs on her album. And those are the two projects coming out hopefully by Christmas, but we'll just see how it works. I love what you just said. If this is the only time I ever go into the studio, if this is the only project I ever do, this will be my little imprint on the world that I was here. And the reason I love that, Drew, is it resonates with my spirit because God has called me to preach, to share his word, to share this beautiful truth about his love for us in Jesus and the gift of forgiveness through Jesus, the gift of being brand new, the gift of his presence, the gift of being part of his mission, and the gift of the hope that we have, this blessed hope that we are going to be together in a better place where there's no crying or tears or pain. I get to preach that. Why do I do it? Because I'm called. I've preached to two people. <laughs> I I think I've preached to one. I, I don't preach for those people. I preach for my God who loves me and made me and called me to do that. And so I love that you say that because it is a signature, really, that's saying, God, I'm, I'm just doing this for you. In that famous quote from Chariots of Fire, I feel the pleasure of God when I run. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, that kind of says it all. I feel the pleasure of God when I do this. And that's the whole meaning of man's life, is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. And so... Just love it. Yeah, it's definitely, for me, when I do music, it's definitely worship, I think. And I just want to invite people into that to experience maybe some of what I've experienced when I write and when I perform. And when I say perform, I mean sitting on the edge of my bed in my room with the door shut, practicing my songs. That's, that is like holy time. And it sounds more grandiose than it is, or maybe it doesn't sound as grandiose enough, but it's very simple and honest, and I want to share that. I, I want people to be able to write their own songs, you know? I want people to be able to worship in their own ways. I want people to be able to contact God, connect with God, find out that it's possible. Maybe I can show them that it is possible if they see me do it, and... I just share in that, and I don't know. My music will probably mean more to me than it will to anybody else, but I I want people to have something in their life that will mean more to them than it will to anybody else either. And to connect oh, yeah. God with that is, I don't think there's anything better, really. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think... that people don't always get that, that we're 
worship is not just going to a place and having someone play music and singing. That can be a glorious part of it, but it, it has to have that connection with God of rejoicing in Him. giving that special praise to him. I, I love the little drummer boy, you know, the little drummer boy, you can picture him. He, this little shepherd boy, he doesn't, he doesn't have gold. He doesn't have frankincense. He doesn't have myrrh. He sees the wise men bowing and worshiping with their gifts. But he says, I know I'll play my drum for you. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and we offer what we have, and ultimately it's ourselves, and whatever that is. I mean, it's the mom changing a diaper can be a drudgery, or it can be a calling, and you're doing it for God. The police officer, it's, it's really hard work. You have to do hard things, but it can be a drudgery. You can be doing it for a paycheck, or you can be doing it for God. And the God factor is what brings all the meaning. It can be a father who chooses to come home every day rather than not. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That is the worship. And, and I think in that you see... The intersection, this beautiful, the worship we glorify God with, it also is sweet and savory as it ministers to people around us, as it serves them, you know, so I'm, I'm thinking of that Romans 12 passage where it says offer you know therefore and it's looking at this glorious truth that we are saved by grace through Jesus through faith in Jesus he did all the work perfect life perfect sacrificial death on the cross to pay for our sins and we are washed in the blood of the lamb we're white before our father cleansed before our Father, perfectly pure. And it says, therefore, offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. So that's you sitting on the edge of your bed performing for God. That's the mom changing the diaper, the dad coming home to the kids after work, whatever. And the Bible actually says there's this huge shift when a person is that way from the selfishness of the fallen man who's all pride and all about self. And it says, do not be right after that. You know, offer your bodies as living sacrifices. Do not be conformed any longer 
to the pattern of this world, you know, this selfie world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. This is the surrender thing where we surrender ourselves in Christ's and the mind of Christ fills us. Be transformed by the renewal of your mind so that you can, you can approve what is good and beautiful and pleasing to God. And that's, uh, that's not just a, an hour of worship. That's a life of worship. Where you're no longer I. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's all the transformation that Christ brings. The newness that Christ brings. The newness Christ brings is, on the one hand, totally outside of us. It is the covering of his righteousness. Okay, we're, we're forgiven and pure before God by grace through faith in Christ. We still on the inside struggle with sin, right? But on the outside, we're absolutely perfect in God's eyes. That's what it means to be justified or declared righteous. But we also are being at the same time growing in this righteousness. That's the inside work that we're becoming. We're taking on the mind of Christ. We are gradually surrendering over a lifetime these strongholds that hold us back from the joy of Christ. That is this internal work, and that is not a one-time thing. That's that lifelong journey thing with Christ. We're saved in a moment. We're transformed in a lifetime. It's so hard for me to believe that this is what love is like, or this is what Christ is like, that I'm, I wonder whether I'm doing it right, frankly, because I don't, uh, it seems more like losses than gains, but I also have a sinking suspicion that surrendering somehow makes me gain more than anything I could ever lose or have to give up here. Mm. Yeah. Yes. And that, that's the promise of Christ. That's the promise of Christ. The story of the rich young ruler in Matthew 19. He's successful, wealthy, comes to Jesus and he says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? He's obviously a list guy. You know, let's get this one marked off the list. Let's do this one. Let's do that one. And Jesus looked at him and loved him. I mean, this guy wanted to do the right things. But he also thought that somehow if he did enough right things, he could be good enough for God. And so Jesus leads him down that path and says, okay, let's, let's see where this path of do-gooding leads. Not that we shouldn't do good things. We should. But ultimately, it, it's not what pleases God or gives us peace with God. 
So he leads him down this path. He said, all right, Jesus says, um, do the commandments. And he says, all these I've done from my youth. And Jesus says, wow, that's great. Good. Um, let's, in, in essence, he comes back to the first one. You shall have no other gods. Doesn't say that in the text, but in essence, he does that. Jesus does that with his next words to the rich renewal. He says, all right, go sell all you have. Give it to the poor. Come follow me. And you'll have riches in heaven. And the rich man looks at him, weighs it all out, probably looks at how hard he has worked to earn all that stuff. And he goes away very sad because he had great wealth. And Jesus looks at his disciples and he says, man, I'm telling you, it's easier for a rich man to go through the eye of a needle than for the rich to enter the kingdom of heaven. And Peter says, well, then who can be saved? And Jesus says, well, with man, it's impossible. But with God, all things are possible. And what he's saying is this guy needed to trust God, not himself. He's trusting himself and all he does. And, and he thinks he can make it and he can make people right. And he can make all things good. It's in his strength. And he's not surrendering to God. And Peter says, Lord, we've left all things to follow you. Here's where the promise is, Drew. Jesus promises us it's worth it. He says, I'll tell you, whoever has left mother, father, sister, brother, all this stuff will have a hundred times more on this earth and eternal life. And brothers, sisters, mothers, fathers, and all the treasures of heaven. Jesus tells us it's worth it. But you're right. Whoever loves his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for me will find it. It's hard for us to accept and takes the faith that only the Holy Spirit can give. Yeah, more and more in my own life, I feel like a passenger rather than the driver or the director of the train. Yeah. Doesn't that feel good, though? Well, it feels different, that's for sure. You can open the window and just stick your head out and let your ears flop in the wind. It's great. If you trust the driver. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah, that's what I'm looking forward to, more of this. Letting somebody else drive. Letting God drive, not just somebody else. Believing, because he said so, that he knows where he's going. And I guess you could look at it this way. I guess if we get in a horrible, mangled wreck, well, he'd just, you know, make us alive again. No big whoop for him. <laughs> just take all the pain away or whatever. But, I mean, there's there's nothing that he will lead us into that he can't lead us back out of again. Right, right. Yeah, that's so true. And so, 
what do we have to fear by surrendering? And we must fear a lot because this is so hard for us to do. And the longer I live, the more obvious it becomes to me when as I look around me in the world, how everyone wants to be God. Everybody wants to be their own God and no one wants to submit to the authority that is because they don't believe the authority is. Yeah. Let's think about that. Fear. What do we fear that would keep us from surrender? So, let's just take a young man who's a follower of Christ who meets a young girl who's also a follower of Christ. But in the day and age we live in, marriage is kind of optional. At least culture says that. And so you're pressed up against a wall. That young man is, are you going to follow Christ? And make a commitment to love this woman like Christ loved the church, to be willing to lay down your life for her, to give up your freedom, to go fishing when you want, to go to the ball game when you want, to watch ESPN when you want. Are you going to give that up? Are you going to... You know, all this money that you've worked hard to have, are you going to give that up to do the right thing and step into this relationship? You know, Jim, when you bring up money, I'm reminded of the marriage vows where they used to say this in the old marriage vows, and I wish they would say it nowadays unless they do and I've missed it, but when and maybe you are more familiar with this, but there's something that used to be in the marriage vows that when a man would marry the wife, there's this little line in the marriage vows that says, all his earthly goods are now endowed to her. Like, she now becomes the owner and the the business manager of it. She can do whatever she wants with it because whatever he has is now hers. And I love that idea because it's like, it makes us think, holy moly, do I really want to do this? <laughs> yeah. Because she can yeah. now spend my money and do whatever she wants or whatever she thinks is best without my permission because I've given it to her. And yeah. she, we're now one. And that's a, a huge eye-opener. Yeah. I wish they would still say that. What, what's mine is hers. What's hers is mine. That's marriage. You know, that is a huge thing, Drew, because I wish we did still have that in the marriage vows. As a matter of fact... I'm going to look it up, but in my pre-marriage counseling, I address this immediately because it becomes an issue, and it's a hidden issue, so I bring it up. Are you going to have one checking account or two? Are you going to have a credit card together or separate credit cards? Or if you're a Dave Ramsey fan, debit cards. But we talk through stuff like that, and I drill deep on that, Drew. I just tell them, why would you have two? Hmm. 
what would be the benefits of that? What would be the potential harm of that? How would that affect trust? How would that affect commitment? How would that affect sacrifice? Those are hard questions. But it's all related to this. I mean, here we are just talking about one little situation that has everything to do with surrender and ultimately loving like Jesus loved us. Greater love has no man than this, that he lay down, or you could use the word surrender, his life for his friend, friends. That's Jesus' love. That's the cross. Jesus did not have to die. Jesus said in his ministry, John 10, I have authority to lay it down and I have authority to take it up again. This command I received from my father. It was absolute, total willingness. If you read the Gospel of John, when the temple guard came to apprehend Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, when he said, who are you looking for? They all fell backward like dominoes. You can imagine I don't know, probably at least 30 people falling backwards like dominoes. Clubs, torches, weapons clanking on the ground. He had total authority. And he used that authority to make the loving choice to lay his life down. And every time we surrender, we're saying to God, I love you more then I love this thing, or I love you more than I love my wealth, or I love you more than I, I love my freedom, I love you more than... I love myself. Yeah, totally. Whatever. Everything connected to that. Yep. Yeah. It's, I guess, maybe that's the next song. is surrender the heart of worship. I don't have an answer for that. I need to study that because I'm a, I'm a man of the word. But right now I'm wondering if at the heart of worship is the heart of... It has to do with faith, obviously, but maybe surrender is mixed in with that, right? I trust. found that it is. Trust in you instead of trust in self. Yeah, a broken and contrite spirit we know is at the heart of worship, and I think that has to do with surrender. Huh. Kind of like that. That's for a wonderful writer, student of the word, and thinker like you to figure out for us, Drew, and make it into a song. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'm always and open to song ideas. That's a rich one. You referred to Gabriel a little while ago and his that he's getting has some interest in music and 
has written some pieces and I know he also is a kind of a deep thinker and a pretty good writer too. You can turn it over to him, do it as a project. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's a that's, good idea. That's cool. He'll run the scriptures on it. I know that. That's yeah. great. Yeah, it's an exciting time. I'm wondering how all of this, you know, how my little life is going to play out with the rest of the world. You know, we've, we're into some people say that the, I don't know if they call it a war in Ukraine is, you know, the beginnings of World War Three or where we're at in this society where everybody's just kind of denying the existence of God because they don't want to be told what to do. They don't want to have to change. They don't want to have to not be God and determine their own destiny, which is utter foolishness, if I think, if you follow that to the end, because there is no there is no freedom. No one can have personal freedom. It's all liberty. You know, you can't just go out and be free and do whatever you want. What if that hurts your neighbor, then you're taking away their freedom. So we have to have freedom with responsibility, which is liberty. And people used to know that. They used to know there was a God. They used to know, like, well, yeah, I could do what I want, but I, I know I shouldn't. But now they're like, well, I can do what I want. And that's it. There's <laughs> nothing beyond that. There's no conscience. There's no remorse, no guilt. No feeling for the other human being. It's all just get what you can, become a millionaire by the time you're 30, then you've won, step on whoever you can in order to achieve your goal. To be honest with you, Jim, I don't know how I didn't get lost in that. I think I did for a time. But... Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> I don't know why I'm not still lost in it other than the grace of God and the, and the Holy Spirit taking things away from me because he wants to give me more. Yeah. For each one of us, this is a journey of grace. I think each one of us should, if we're honest, we have to say that. Like, I don't know how I didn't get Maybe we were lost in it, but we didn't get stuck in it. And that is that pierced hand reaching down to us and scooping us out. And th that's grace. And the thing about grace is you can't understand it. It's just love. It's this crazy love for the loveless and that's the Lord he loves us when we're having a bad day you know he loves us when everybody else hates us he, he, he it's just constant I heard uh, Billy Graham say that Jesus did not ask us to know he asked us to believe 
He didn't say, yeah. just know all about God. Just believe God. Yeah. And the, yeah. sub, the willingness to submit to that is what seems to be lacking and was lacking well, in my life for a long time. Yeah, and it's kind of like, what comes first? And I, I don't want to do it that way because some people need time to really look at the facts related to did Jesus exist? Did Jesus rise from the dead? Did Jesus really do miracles? Do we have any validation for that? Not just in scripture, but outside of scripture. I mean, some people look at all that and it's all true and they will find great answers. But ultimately, you come to a point where there's still going to be more questions. And you, you just trust. And then more explanation. I think we get to know the Father more and more. We get to know His heart more and more. We get to know more of Scripture and the character of God. But ultimately, we do have to come down and, and trust. I always tell people that with... Obviously, that has to do with God, but the topic like evolution. Why is someone an evolutionist? Why is someone a creationist? I'll ask that question. And, you know, people that are evolutionists, they'll say, well, because we're empirical, we're scientific, all that. But I will ask questions that they cannot answer related to the complexity of life and physics and design and origin. And ultimately, I can ask a whole pile of questions that they cannot answer. At least I'll challenge them because it's not observable phenomena. It's merely theory. And then I'll acknowledge that there's all these questions about our faith that we have support for, but we can't answer. And then on the whiteboard, I just write in big letters, faith. Evolutionists have faith. As a matter of fact, I believe they have way more faith than someone who believes Jesus Christ rose from the dead. And then I remind them, an evolutionist is an evolutionist ultimately because of faith. Creationist is a creationist ultimately because of faith. And then I circle the word faith. They're both on the basis of faith. And as a matter of fact, I think it takes way more faith to be an evolutionist because some of the things that you have to believe in to believe in evolution, the timeline, breaks laws of physics, breaks observable phenomena when it comes to order and disorder. There's all kinds of questions that don't make sense if you're an evolutionist. And I believe if you're a creationist and you just look at did Jesus rise from the dead, you have a lot more empirical data related to that. And so... I think it's harder to be an evolutionist to have that kind of faith than it is to be a, a creationist to have that kind of faith. Yeah, I don't suppose Jesus would make it hard or impossible to believe in him 
he's going to make it enough of a choice so that it's a choice, but maybe it's not just a hard choice. Maybe it's an easy yeah. choice. There's still faith, but yeah. Yeah. Mm. We're doing a really cool thing coming up here on May 18th. We have a former science teacher. His name is Josh, and he's does this thing called Family Experience. And he has 25 tables set up with, I don't know, I think all over 30 experiments, almost 40 experiments. Families have like two hours to wander through the gym at our local elementary school, Zinzer Elementary School, and experience that science, their STEM, so science, technology, engineering, math, based and all of them all these point to our great god and his creative power and the order that he built into the universe and then josh does this show it's so cool you know using fire and experiments and things like that for an hour he points to god it's really a awesome thing so that's may 18th It'd be over in our little zinzer elementary school from 5 to 8 p.m we can't wait yeah i wish i could be there yeah well right now you can pray you can be here through prayer we need to get the word out we need 35 volunteers which for us is a big undertaking so, yeah, we're so grateful, though, because we're having it in the public school. And that's a, a central spot for our community, so hopefully. Some people that are seekers and haven't considered faith in God before will come and be reminded that there's more here than meets the eye. There's a God behind this who holds it all together and made it loves them and as sad as it may be to realize that not everybody's going to make the choice to believe in god even though we may want them to very much but it ultimately it's our decision for our life alone and we can't we can love other yeah. people and we can encourage them and we can share with them, but they have to choose for themselves. Yeah, that's so hard. I heard something yesterday, and I think it's relevant to a lot of life. Listen to this. This is so good. We do not prepare the path for our kids we prepare our kids for the path that's surrender because we want to prepare the path for our kids but we can't do that that is god's business but our business is we prepare our kids for the path them to know jesus 
to be filled with his Holy Spirit. You know, we, we don't do that, but we teach them about the beauty of that and that Jesus is with them and we help them experience Christ so that they grow in the character of Christ and are filled with the fruit of the Spirit. But we only prepare our kids for the path. We can't prepare the path for them. We want to go and protect them, but that's God's business. And that is a pretty great statement. Really helpful to me as a protective father and grandfather. And it's not just our kids, but if we show, it's why you do what you do. It's why I do what I do. It's because we want to show all of God's kids who God is. Because we've experienced him in one way or another, maybe in many yeah. ways. And we like what we've seen. And we've seen the benefit of it. We see life in it. And yeah. uh, we don't want to suffer. And we don't want other people to suffer, especially needlessly. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah, man, you know, and and I think, you know, if we, if we zoom out on that and we look at God, God doesn't want anybody to suffer either, pains him, any suffering. I mean, we saw Jesus in his ministry weeping when he saw the death, you know, he just looks up in the sky, he sighs when he comes to the tomb of his friend Lazarus who died, he weeps. He weeps over Jerusalem when he comes in Palm Sunday because they just, they didn't recognize him. They didn't recognize the Savior's coming. And so this is God. Like he could force them to do the right thing. He could force them to love him, but then it wouldn't be love. And here we have the same situation in really all our relationships. All we can do is love and speak the truth in love and be grace and truth. Jesus didn't come like, I don't think he came. He didn't come to condemn the world. He didn't come with a finger pointing at someone like in their face, you know. Instead, he comes and he puts his arm around us and he walks with us and he talks to us. And he trains us. And in other words, he does it and he shows us. And then he says, here, I'll do it with you. And then he says, here, you go do it. That's our loving God. But he doesn't force us. And apparently that's part of love. And getting to know God like that, rather than being trained by the world, in accusation for accusation takes some getting used to to unlearn that and relearn a new way yeah well tell me like that comes from somewhere so is that a wrestle with you drew or that yeah, comes from somewhere absolutely relearn the way <laughs> i don't know if i see life differently than other people or or the same but for me, it's been growing up, learning that life is one way and realizing, I think, that it's really the worldly way. 
and understanding who God is has brought me into the beginnings of relationship with him and understanding another way, which is really God's way of doing things and doing life. And I think we think that there's only one way, one right way to live here, and that's the world's way. And what I think I'm discovering about God is he has multiple ways, maybe is, I don't know if that's a good way to say it, but what I mean by that is he'll have a different way than the world's way. And you go, yeah, okay, I I see that it's different and this is how God operates. And then God will say, well, I have another way too, and that'll work also, but it's com- it looks completely different, and you that'll confuse you. And I think he, he keeps doing that again and again till you get to the point where you can't lock God down into a way that he lives, other than to zoom out, like you said, and kind of see the bigger picture of his goal is to be love and to love us, and that's the constant, and when you start looking at life that way, it fundamentally changes everything yeah. you do. I mean everything. It's I'm to the point now where I'm actually starting to, before I do something or, or while I'm doing it or just after I started doing it, I'll stop and say, oh, oh God, do you, do you want me to do this today? Like this morning, I got yeah. a notification that I had some dividends that I got in my stock portfolio and I went in and... I always reinvest them, and I, right before I pressed the button, I said, well, God, what do you want me to reinvest? Do you want me to reinvest this? And then, you know, yeah. kind of wait for an answer, <laughs> and other yeah. people would be like, no, 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 you do what you want. And I'm like, I have learned that I don't know. I think I'm too close to it to really know what I've learned, but it's definitely that I am not my own boss, and I need to be led and I know that God's way is better than my way anything that I could come up with and I know that if I go God's way I'm going to be blessed and that all kind of sounds like I'm just doing it because I'm getting the benefit but I think it has to do with this childlike faith where I want my popsicle I want my candy and God says, well, that's, you know, you should probably eat a carrot instead or, you know, have a piece of fruit. And I'm like, but I want my candy. And you're mean for not giving me candy. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, this, you know, working for over 47 years of this working through of trusting that because my father won't give me candy, that he doesn't hate my guts and wants to do me in. Instead, he really does care about me and I should really want the fruit instead. Yeah. Learning this day by day, year after year has afforded me a different view of life and I don't know, people people don't trust and I get that because we are raised I'm going to say by the devil to not trust. He is there from the beginning meddling with our minds, scrambling our brains to understand life in the wrong way. And we think that God can't be trusted. The accusations, the fear, the guilt, the remorse, the questioning is all planted there and all our lives. And it's just a struggle to say no to all of that stuff. And when you're young, you don't say no. You don't know to say no. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he's a liar. 
and the author of lies. And what breaks trust faster than anything else? Lies. <laughs> I mean, it's just, <laughs> and he loves it. Like, oh yeah, I'm trying to mess with faith ultimately. Let them think everyone's a liar. Yeah, and I, I remember some things that you said once in a while that when when we don't give in to that or when we fight that and we say, you know what, I'm I'm not I'm not gonna believe that lie. I'm going to trust God. This becomes our atomic bomb that we launch at the devil when we simply say, I don't know what's going on, I don't know what to believe, I don't know what is true but God, I'm going to follow you. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, it is. I'm just going to trust you. The story of Job, Job is suffering, suffering, suffering. His friends are telling him why they're all washed up because they're wrong. It isn't anything Job did. He's just being sifted by Satan, tested by Satan. Satan said, you, you, you do this stuff. He's going to turn and walk away. And God said, not my servant Job. The whole job of Job during that time was to trust God. Not to do anything. Just trust. And that sounds like something I can do. I mean, that sounds like a lot less work <laughs> than have to trying to jump through hoops and figure life out. And I know it's hard to, to not do anything because I feel yeah. like i got to do something. But to know that, to have faith that somebody else is going to, take the load off my shoulders, somebody else is active, someone will get it done, someone will take care of me. That's something I never experienced as a child. Feeling that security that they're going to be there for me and, and I don't have to lift a finger, I can just trust them. I mean, because uh, if you do that in this world, they'll take advantage of you for sure. Right. Well, I think the hard part of it comes when the human emotions kick in and we're not feeling it. We know that our faith is not based on feeling. It's based on God, what he's done, his promises, who he is. And we get most equipped with who God is, what he's done, his promises, what he's doing for us through the reading of scripture. But man, when we're under attack and suffering, we... We're just not feeling it when it comes to reading scripture or trusting God. Well, the exhale of trust is prayer. It's just like, if you breathe in, right, how long can you breathe in without breathing out? If you breathe in faith, you exhale prayer. And when when we're under attack, we just don't feel it. See? So... It is not, you know, what, what Job, it, I, I love what you're saying. I, I like that I don't have to do anything. I just have to trust. But at the same time, the byproduct of that trust, those are hard. I mean, I'm not talking, I'm just talking about like hearing from God, his word, um, prayer. Those are hard things, man, when we're suffering. And sometimes that's, I think, where the, the, the family of, of Christ comes in. We, um, that's where, you know, they read to me. 
That's where they pray for me. Um, that's what it means to be one in Christ. You know. Yeah, I always see that now more and more where you, you're you in a tough spot and um, no one's speaking to you. You can't hear from God. And we forget that God has already spoken to us. <laughs> we already yeah. know the end game. We already know that he's with us. We already know that he saved us. We already know that we're worth much and, you know, we're human and Sin clouds that when we, especially when we get low and we cannot remember that, but it's already been said, it's already been done and we yeah. just need someone to remind us and then we go, oh, yeah, it, okay, okay, okay. So I, yeah, I'm, I'm feeling down, I'm feeling bad, I'm in a bad spot, but I am no longer alone and now I have hope and um, I thank you for being here with me while this human emotion and the situation plays itself out, but. Yeah, 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 yeah. I was just, while you were saying that, I just, um, um, I was overwhelmed with this comforting verse um, from Timothy. I think it's Timothy. It's either Timothy or Titus. When we are faithless, he is faithful, for he cannot deny himself. It's this beautiful love passage where, you know, sometimes we just aren't feeling it. It's already been done. We, we kind of, I don't know. Um, it's, this, it's just this picture when we're so broken and so weak and so down. It's this picture of... You know, these everlasting arms that are under us and around us and ultimately carrying, guiding, holding, not letting go of us. And I just, that's so powerful. You know, and I want to believe it's true. I want to believe that there's a God that loves me, that no one can make him stop loving me. And you know, I have... That's a sore spot for me because in my life, I feel like I've had friends or relationships and for some reason, somebody else or something else has come into the situation and turned them against me so that I lose a friend. And it is such a different feeling to know that, you know, people can say all manner of lies and most of them was lies. You know, they make up lies and then my friends are no longer my friends and no one can lie to God. He's not going to believe them. He's chosen to love me. Nothing can dissuade him from that choice now. He's going to pick me. He has picked me. He's going to keep picking me. He's yeah. never going to kick me out of his family because yeah. I voted Republican this year instead of Democrat or whatever, something stupid. Right. Uh, that feeling is new, and I want to believe it's true, and I want to explore that. And, I, and frankly, I, I think it's better to live in that belief. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, that's where that, and you're just pressing up against this faith thing and exploring this faith thing because sometimes our eyes and everything around us says it's not true, but faith has to say it is true. 
that's really hard. Yeah, it's faith. Well, hey, brother, I gotta get on to the next thing here. Got a full full day ahead yet, so great combo. Excited about tomorrow night and the release. Yeah, I've, cool. I've loved this uh, conversation. Um, it's got me thinking. I wonder if I, I can turn it into a podcast before five p.m. tomorrow. <laughs> content's more important than perfect content right so right uh, yeah so yeah so and and the stuff you do has such high excellence i think um what, what you think is a is a you know like a seven out of ten or a six out of ten, some of us would be like, no, that's that's like that's like you nailed it. That's a ten for ten. <laughs> you know, so don't forget that. <laughs> you, you have a real precision eye and ear when it comes to that stuff. So Well, I love you, Jim. Thanks for your words right. today. I love you too. God bless. Talk to you later. Bye. Bye.